There we go. Accidentally muted it. <laughs> Good times. But anyways, so we're looking at this letter that was um, written first for the Ephesians, but more than likely to eventually be spread out through, through this region by Paul with, with this message, um, just three-word summary of all things new. By the love of Jesus, by the life that he lived, and the way he serves his people, all things are new for us. And so I'm excited because we're going to talk specifically about praying to grasp the Messiah's love. What does it look like to hold on to or grab onto the Messiah's love? And we're going to talk about praying for that um, for others, but also for ourselves. And so um, I want to tell a story about a video game called Kingdom Hearts. Has, has anybody played Kingdom Hearts? It's a pretty, pretty good classic couple, guys. Um, it's crazy to think about um, as long as the, stor- the story of the Kingdom Hearts has gone that like I was a kid playing this game. Um, and I can't remember what, what age I was. But anyways, like as kids, you don't always think things through. And so um, I remember... I was pretty far into the, the game, um, and it was like the last world. If you know about Kingdom Hearts, it's like a game where you jump around to different, um, you know, different worlds that belong in the Disney realm, like Peter Pan, Lion King is a place, um, you know, Mulan, like all those kinds of places. Pirates of the Caribbean randomly, um, just different places like that. And um, I was on the last world, which is like the land that never was or something like that. Um, And in this, I was like, I couldn't get past this one boss fight. It's like, geez, oh, peace, this guy is is rough. He's hard. Um, I just don't know what's going on. And then um, I I was actually at um, my grandparents and my cousin, who's older than me, Look, he's like, well, let's check your settings. Let's check your abilities to see, um, like, like what you have them set as, because that could be affecting how your player is being played, how Sora, the ca- character you control, is being played. And I didn't have a single ability marked as like equipped. So like, you would like, you know, select with with um, you know the X button on PlayStation Two. Like, yes, I want to put that ability on. Yes, I want to put that ability on. Yes, I want to put that ability on. That basically soups up your character to, to be who he is. Well, I hadn't equipped a single ability. So somehow I got that deep into the game without grasping the full ability of what the character Sora could be. And so after I was like opened up to a whole new world and like, oh, this is what can happen. And so once I equipped all those abilities that I could equip, the guy was a breeze. It was like a, a few, you know, a few hits, and he was, he was, he was done. And then the whole rest of the game was easier because I actually <laughs> equipped and grasped on to all the abilities that this character um, could have. And so um, for me, that was like a way of grasping the the fullness of of a game or a character. And um, not really similarly, but kind of similarly, we're talking about today what can happen um, when we grasp on to Jesus and the love that he has for us. 
Um, if you remember last time, um, the time before last week, um, we, we looked at the first half of Ephesians 3, and a lot of the focus was on how the Gentiles are now a part of the body through the power and love of Jesus. So, you know, Paul doesn't want the Ephesians to worry, you know, you see tribulations and stuff in that um, section, and he doesn't want the Ephesians to worry about his tribulations because he says they're all for their glory, and it's all about advancing the gospel message. That's why he's suffering. That's why he's imprisoned, because it's all about advancing the gospel message. And so for that reason, as we'll see today, Paul prays for the Ephesians to grasp onto the Messiah's love. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Um, just a reminder uh, about you version. We put all our, our sermon notes on there and studies on there, um, different resources. Like I have the commentaries, like direct links to these commentaries that I have up here, Christ-Centered Exposition, Exalting Jesus in Ephesians, and the NIV Application Commentary over Ephesians. Those are good, good study resources, so those links are directly in there. And then there's like some, um, there's like a study at the end as well that can help you dive deeper into what we're talking about today. Um, and so, yeah, those things are on there, so um, just as we do every week, just an encouragement to, to check that out. Um, you just go into the events portion, and then our, our church, I guess you'd say, um, is the top one, and you just click on that, and they're, they're all there. So that's where scripture is, and all the notes are. So this is Ephesians three fourteen through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to, be, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Oh man, I, I love this passage, and I think it's, um, it's a good one for us to, 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 to continue to dive into and be reminded of when it comes to grasping Jesus' love in our life, and also for the people, like praying for, specifically for the people that we so desire to see be in a relationship with Jesus. Um, so starting out in verse 14, Paul talks about, um, you know, for this reason I, I kneel before the Father. He bows in prayer. And, and um, whenever someone kneels to pray, they're showing like deep humility and emotion to God. You know, I've never seen someone, like, kneel down in prayer, you know, get, get, get down on their, their hands and knees, and are just like, yo, hey, God, how's it going? Usually, if someone's on their hands and knees, like, kneeling before the Father, they're in, like, deep emotion, and, and they're being, like, like dead serious, like, like, almost begging, you know, 
in a way because they so desire and they know that God is the only one who can take care of the needs. He's the only one that, that can fully, you know, with some of the deep prayers that we pray, he's the only one that can help lead us there, lead us to where we're heading. And so when Paul's kneeling before the Father, he's showing this deep humility. He's showing this, this way of stepping down from, from, you know, I guess you'd say from a throne and letting Jesus take his throne. He's letting, he's showing that like, for him, he's desperately coming before the Father because he knows it's only through him that, that these Ephesians, that us today, that's only through him that we can do anything. So he's bowing in prayer. And God is the Father, in verse 15, Father of all and disregards all others. And so Paul knew what, what the scriptures teach. He's Elohim, Elohim which in, in Hebrew, it means that, that he's the God of gods. Like, he, he, he is the man. He, he is the top dog. There is no, no other God before him. You know, he, he is, like, the thing. He, he is um, Elohim, Elohim. He's the leader of all the divine counsel in the spiritual realm. And if you remember, many of the Ephesians and surrounding people groups would have been used to a culture of worshiping other gods. You know, I, like we, we've said before, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Ephesians specifically worshiped the goddess Artemis. And so Paul many times talks about how, how God is even over Artemis, and the people would have been like, Paul, what are, you, what are you saying? Like they would have been so thrown off by that. But he's, he's, he's telling them and he's showing like, like, seriously, God is the God over all. He's the God even over Artemis. He's, he's the one in control. Your idols, your, your, your quote-unquote gods don't even compare to Yahweh. They don't even compare to God. And so um, these other gods were, they worshipped were meaningless. And so God is a God, as he says in Exodus 34, 6-7, who's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And that, that area right there kind of talks about being a loyal love, not just like abounding in love and faithfulness, but like a loyal love. He is loyal to those he loves. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, and he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And so we hear this and we love that first part, but the second part can sometimes be challenging. And the thing that we need to remember and know um, is that God is a God of justice. He's a God of grace and of justice. And so, um, you know, in, in this, like, like, the guilty are shown for their actions. But what we need to remember is those who are guilty, they have a chance to turn from who they once were. And if they choose to turn from their evil ways towards God's love, they too will experience God's transforming power and love. Like Paul, specifically, you could say, was, was definitely guilty for, for what he did. Um, and you could even say he experienced how God's slow to anger 
um, because of how Paul, before he became a follower of Jesus, was about, you know, about like persecuting Christians, um, about seeing people um, fall off the, the faith as, as a Christian. Um, but on the road to Damascus, he was changed forever and forgiven of what he had done in his past. This God that they've turned their heart to is willing to be for them and forgive them of what they've done in their past. He loves them and he desires a true relationship with them. It's the same with us. Our identity, it doesn't belong in our phones, our possessions, the people we influence, our jobs, or other gods that we may quote-unquote serve. Our identity belongs in Jesus' name. When we get that and we live in that, we start to grasp the Messiah's love more deeply and personally than we have ever before. The times, you know, I feel closest to Jesus or when I'm disconnected from everything that's, that's like noise, you know, like typically my phone or TV, um, you know, things that, that try to vie for my attention. When, when, when I'm disconnected from that and just spend time in quiet, more and more I feel like I can, I can hear the convictions that Jesus has placed in me. More and more, even, even if I don't necessarily feel like I hear, I still can rest in his, in his presence. And for me, that's the place that I want to be, resting in him, resting in his love, feeling that overcome me and, and trusting in him and knowing that, that he's got this. Not everything is going to make sense, and sometimes it's going to be, be hard living as a follower of Jesus. But when we rest in him, and, and we feel that whisper from his Holy Spirit, you know, we, we find this identity that we can't explain other than Jesus. This love that overcomes our hearts, and we do things that we never would have thought we would have done, um, you know, maybe, maybe five years, or maybe six months before. Um, but when we think back, it's like, wow, this happened? God is the Father of all. And so when your identity is fully in Messiah Jesus, you'll experience this love that's so warm and compassionate that all you want to do is see others grab onto this love as well. And so today, you know, as, as we're, we're just going to continue diving in deeper in Ephesians 3, um, we should pray this for others, but it's also a prayer for us to pray as well. Something that we um, you know, can, should be praying both for, for others and ourselves. Um, and I think, I think through it, we'll, we'll grasp on to the Messiah's love more. And so the first thing we need to do when praying for people to grasp the Messiah's love is, is, is pray to be strengthened with power to dwell with the Messiah. And so we see this, this specifically in verse 16 through the first part of verse 17. Paul knows that power is a gift from God. When you have strength from the Messiah, like seriously, watch out. Um, when, when we are strengthened with power that comes only from God, we less and less live as, as we were without Jesus and more and more dwell with him. When Christ takes residence in our hearts, it's like a couple who buys a house that needs a lot of work. A relationship that dwells in the Messiah is not one and done thing. Where, where, you know, you're, you're for Jesus, and then once you mess up, like, that's it. No, it's, 
it's literally a continual renovation project. And so like when, when Caitlin and I bought our house, like the structure was great, it was kind of what we were looking for, and having good bones, but something that we could, we could work on as well. And so like, like floors got replaced, cabinets were, were updated um, because they had faded, and so we you know, restained the cabinets, painted all the walls, eventually replaced the back door, um, and like in talking about um, renovation projects, one of one of the craziest things is is we had redone our fireplace with like shiplap around around the wall, and then we had to cut into the wall to be able to hang our um, our like big fireplace beam that goes above um, you know the fireplace area, and when we did that, there was a box inside of the wall that had been walled off. And like it was parts for the fireplace that didn't get put in, um, and so like had we turn like got the fireplace fixed and working before we even cut into that wall, there probably would have been a fire, <laughs> which obviously is not good and what you don't want in a home. Um, but because we took the time to renovate and and cut into the wall to be able to hang this beam, we found like what could have been a problem. And I think it's the same when we let Jesus take up residency in our lives. We notice the, these things that aren't going well, that should be changed. These habits that we formed that aren't good, that, that don't necessarily take us closer to Jesus, but may often take us further away from Jesus. And so what I hope is encour- an encouraging thing is like, you know, we don't just arrive. So wherever you're at right now, that's not where you're always going to be. The beautiful thing is we can live a life fully devoted to Jesus. And later, when we look back, we get to see how we've been renovated along the way to becoming more and more the the new life that Jesus has always called us, called for us to be. So we have a loving Father who gives his love and powers a gift to us. And when we fall, we're picked back up again and created new. So the second thing is being rooted and grounded in love. You know, why are we to pray to be rooted and grounded in love? If you remember in in verse 7, like the second half of 17 or into 18, it's so that we can grasp how long and how deep and how wide and how high the Messiah's love is for us. It's so important for us to be rooted and grounded in love because when we have good roots, I mean, you look at a, at a flower or, or a tree that's, that's thriving, it's because it has good, healthy roots. It's grounded. And so when, when we have that, we're strong, we're healthy, constantly growing, we can't be torn down. So if we're rooted in love and allow the Messiah's love to dwell in us, like, man, your life is going to be completely different. And I love how, how in this, this book specifically, um, how Tony Merida, I think that's how you say his last name, puts it when it comes to knowing the Messiah's love for you. When we begin to grasp Christ's love for us, we live a crucified life. Paul knows the transformation that happens when you grasp the Messiah's love for you and how you begin to live a crucified life, not for yourself, you don't live for yourself anymore, but you live for Jesus. And so in Galatians 2.20, Paul, 
Paul writes that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so grasping the Messiah's love should lead us to laying ourselves down in humility and letting him breathe life through us. It's laying ourselves down and picking ourselves back up in Christ, letting Jesus take us back up. It's not only us who change, but others as well who experience Christ's love through us. It's what happens when we're rooted and grounded in love. So we should pray for ourselves and pray for our friends as well to be rooted and grounded in love so that they can know how deep and how wide and how high Christ's love is for us and for them. So the next thing is know God's love in verse 19. We should pray to know that God's love surpasses our knowledge and understanding. I mean, serious, seriously, like, this is something I deal with all the time of, like, I've done a lot of messed up stuff, yet Jesus still loves me? And it's true for all of us, regardless of what you've done, regardless even of how, how we feel about ourselves sometimes. Jesus still loves you as you are. He still cares for you as you are. And I love that, like, knowing God's love is perfectly displayed on the cross during Jesus' sacrifice for us. And, like, it's a good illustration as well. Like, sometimes we hear of having a vertical love, a horizontal love. And, and I want to talk about, like, like, vertically, we need to know God's love by stopping and marveling in his presence and resting in his forgiveness. You know, oftentimes, like, like I've talked about it, getting disconnected, um, but specific places are like woods and, and beautiful cities where it's like, I just look up and it's like, that looks like a photograph <laughs> that I would find on like a stock website. Or, you know, I would find on Instagram in a search image. Like, those places for me are where I really feel connected um, to Jesus. And oftentimes it drives me to ask for forgiveness and rest in that release. Because I realize in those moments how little and insignificant that I am. And I think for a lot of us, we know that God has forgiven us, but we can't seem to forgive ourselves. And so I hope that these words are challenging, but I think they speak well into this to give you permission to release what you're dealing with. If God has forgiven us, we need to move on. He is the ultimate authority, not us. When we think we need something more than God Almighty's forgiveness, it's clear that we're not finding our identity in Jesus and the gospel. We are living in a works-based system that does nothing but enslave. That also comes from Tony Merida. And talking about this freedom further, Jesus teaches these words in John 8. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Jesus has set you free. Drop the weight of what's holding you back to forgiving yourself, because a part of grasping the Messiah's love is knowing you are truly set free and forgiven. That's what really matters. 
horizontally, we experience God's love by showing that love to the world. We love people regardless of what they look like. Um, We love people just because deep down at the core, they're God's son or God's daughter. We show his love by putting up with the difficult and hard people in our lives by being patient. We forgive others because Messiah Jesus forgives us constantly. That's the same patient love that Jesus has with you and he has with me. And when we know God's love vertically and horizontally, I almost went vertically by doing the horizontal, but vertically and horizontally, um, we will be filled, as Paul wrote, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So essentially, when we know God's love in our lives, we become mature followers of the Messiah, ready to take his message to the broken world. So the last thing that Paul talks about, and it's a little little like doxology or, or, or song that, that is at the end of this prayer, is, is praise to God. And like, you know, we think, like, as we read it, why praise God? I hope it's obvious, but, you know, maybe you're wondering that. When it comes to grasping the Messiah's love, why do we need to give him praise? In verse 20, we read that Jesus is able to do immeasurably more than can ever think, we can ever think or imagine. That power of Jesus is within us. It's within us. It's the same power that's referenced in Ephesians 3.7 that saved Paul and made him an apostle of the good news. Jesus' power is so, so strong that even death could not hold him down. He defeated death when he rose from the dead. And in that, like, he defeated our death too. He paid our penalty for us, so not even like all of our corruption and schemes and chaos that we bring into the world, not even that could bring him down forever. He rose because death could not hold him. Darkness forever was buried, but Jesus' light shone, shined through the darkness and, and rose. So when we grab onto this vision and give him praise for what he's done for us, our faith in God increases. Our faith continues to increase. When we recognize him as Lord or Master, do you remember the name that Chris talked about that means that? Last week at Fall Retreat? Adonai, exactly, yes. We go, as we recognize him as that, we go on the greatest adventure we could ever ask for. Sometimes, like, yes, it's going to be hard. In fact, like, I would say it's probably, if not the single most difficult thing you'll do. Sometimes you'll feel like you can't go on, you want to give up. But when you live a life surrendered in Him, I most certainly agree it'll be the best decision and best adventure you could ever ask for. And living as a purified new man or woman fully enveloped in the Messiah's love, to Him be all glory, honor, power, and love forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that we have this great honor of coming before you 
and getting to look through um, this, this passage in Ephesians that Paul wrote, um, that we are able to learn from it and see how we can grab onto your love and like the significant impact it is when we grab onto that love. So Jesus, thank you. I pray God for us um, with, with whatever it is that we're holding on to, the thing that, that, that seems to continue to remind us it's there, that we've done that thing. Um, I pray that we know and are confident in your authority to forgive. And so, Jesus, I pray that, that we would release that weight, that we, we leave it with you, because it's your forgiveness that matters. So, Jesus, I, I pray that um, we release those bondages to you, and that we take up um, the new life that, that you've, you've placed within us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.